Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Good afternoon, good afternoon. Welcome to America's Heroes Group on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. I am Vietnam veteran host Cliff Kelly. America's Heroes Group is a live streaming podcast, global platform, radio, print, and digital media broadcast show that empowers change agents through intentionally disseminating information, resources, and referrals to empower our military population. And with that, welcome to America's Heroes Group with our roundtable partner, the Jesse Brown VA. October is Breast Cancer, Mental Health, Natural Disability, and Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Today is Saturday, October 14th, 2023. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Clayman, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And we have our panelists with us, Maisa Lopez. Is a clinical social worker certified and an Illinois certified domestic violence professional. Miser serves as an intermediate partner of partner violence assistance program coordinator at the Jesse Brown VA. And Sabrina Rowe, she's a licensed clinical social worker, certified alcohol drug counselor, and domestic violence professional with over 20 years of experience. How are you guys doing today? Hi, doing well. good. So tell us, uh, Sabrina, tell us, uh, start us off a little bit. Tell us about what you do and also a little bit about the Domestic Violence Awareness Program at the Jesse Brown VA. Hello. First of all, I want to say thank you for the invitation and the opportunity to um, spread awareness regarding domestic violence and intimate partner violence. Um, like you stated, my name is Sabrina Rowe, and I am an um, IPV coordinator at the Jesse Brown Medical Center. And basically, I provide supportive services to individuals who have experienced violence or for someone who utilizes violence. Hmm. Now, my... I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. (laughs) I just want to say we provide some um, supportive services and resources for both the medical center internally and for community-based organizations externally. All right. Misa, am I pronouncing your name right? Hi, yeah, it's pronounced Misa. All right, perfect. Thank you for asking. So tell us about how important the program is. Why is this program important to the Jesse Brown VA and also to the community at large? You know, um, the program was, uh, the directive was actually signed in January of 2019. Um, You know, after piloting um, programs in various VAs across the country to identify need and identify supportive services, Um, started back in 2012. It was determined that veterans needed more support um, services and assistance regarding intimate partner violence, Um, primarily because, in my opinion, if we consider that the general population, one in three women and one in four men, have experienced some form of physical violence by an intimate partner, research suggests that veterans are twice as likely. Hmm. And so we began the program here at Jesse Brown. Uh, At the end of 2018, we built a robust program um, and staff. And we not only work with veterans, we work with their civilian partners, caregivers, staff members, 
So we can work with uh, a pretty wide range of individuals in our setting. Hmm. I saw on a CBS yeah. News uh, special, they, they mentioned, this was a couple of years ago, this is, they said since 2015 there were 100,000 cases of domestic violence or abuse in the military. Uh, that seems alarming, especially for our, our military forces, only about 2 million strong. What are some of the, the key things that you think is driving this? Is, it, is, is, it, is domestic abuse about anger management, or is it more sinister like trying to control somebody? What is, what is it all about? That's for either one of you, Sabrina or, or Mesa. It, it could be a plethora of things, Sean. You know, um, we all know we, we are individuals that learn from what's in our environment or what we're taught, we're conditioned. Um, a lot of it is linked to mental health disorders. Um, you know, a lot of individuals that that enroll in the military, they're taught for what? War. And that's not an excuse. However, sometimes when you're transitioning back into civilian life and you're accustomed to um, certain type of behaviors, you have to learn and adapt to a new form of behavior. So we don't we, we try to minimize the stigma of guilt and shame. And it's not just, you know, the military experience. It could be a lot of times mental health, substance abuse, physical health. There are so many um, factors that contribute to aggression and violence. Mies, you got anything to add to that? It seems like violence begets violence. So when you, so when you, when I think about that, I think about when, like like Sabrina mentioned, being in the military and being trained mm-hmm. to be violent, being trained to, you know, to to conduct warfare. Um, and then bringing that home, um, and in awful ca- cases, also cases like PTSD, where someone might have anger triggers, um, but mm-hmm. you know that might cause them to bring that rage home. Um, tell us more about that from your perspective. Yeah. So thanks for asking that question. You know, um, it's something we've talked because we we do work with both individuals who experience violence and individuals who use violence. And I think something that we try to do very well in our program in this setting is to pay attention to veteran-centric factors that impact and influence how we manage conflict, right? So Sabrina pointed out, um, which is very correct, you know, if if our families of origin or, or what we know in terms of how to interact in interpersonal relationships, how to manage or engage in conflict, right? That's, that's kind of our baseline. So if we, you know, come from a place of origin that there's a lot of yelling or a lot of aggression, um, we've learned that that's how you interact in conflict, right? But in military settings, you know, we have a lot of compassion and empathy that in service, um, and, and I'm not a veteran, but I grew up in a military household. So, you know, in, in that aspect, I am familiar with military culture on some level. Um, in service, you know, folks are trained. I had a veteran who, who told me once that um, he was trained to do what we were taught our whole lives not to do, right? And so in that setting, aggression um, and level of violence is necessary to keep people safe, right? And like Sabrina had mentioned, that doesn't always translate well when you return to civilian life. Um, we also, as you had mentioned, Sean, you know, thinking about um, the other veteran-centric factors that impact interpersonal relationships, like um, symptoms of post-traumatic stress, you know. So when we think about decreased frustration and tolerance, increased anger, um, you know, based on experiences, loss of trust or moral distress, um, using 
coping tools that may not be healthy or safe, right? But that's but that's what somebody might have available to them at that time. Um, and just the stress of, you know, military life separation and isolation and family life stress. Um, I think all those things can be contributing factors that impact and influence conflict and interpersonal relationships. So, Sabrina, how do you take someone who's going through um, these types of issues, who's the aggressor, and change that and turn that around to deprogram that tendency to lean towards violence or lean towards? And also explain to me, if you will, to um, um, is there a difference between a person who is abusive versus violent or are they, are they one and the same thing? Well, how do you help an individual that utilizes violence or aggression? You you use a trauma-informed approach. You try not to point fingers. You try not to shame them. You try not to judge them. You try to understand where it's coming from. And you try to help them be involved in the healing process so they can develop awareness about their triggers and what they would like to do better. Because, you know, just, you know, it's just for you and I, in my own experience, if I have a poor behavior and if someone comes to me aggressively in a, in a way that's accusing me of this behavior, I might get defensive. But if they come in a way, say, Sabrina, it appears to me we're seen, or what can I do to assist you or support you, then I'm going to lower my defenses and I'm going to be a little bit more willing to participate in my own healing process. Um, forgive me, Sean. What was your part two question? So, is a person is a person uh, who's abusive or aggressive? Is that is that most is that the same thing as as violence? Or how do you? What's the difference between that? Those two things. Any any form of of, of abuse uh, is, is violent. And give us some examples. Well, okay, of abuse, well, example. okay. Well, well, no. But, okay, so physical violence is one form. There's verbal. There's emotional. There's psychological. There's financial. So there's a lot of components um, to to abuse. Um, violence, physical violence, is, is just one component. Hmm. And then, so when the person is actually doing these things, are they typically aware that they're doing something, or is, is it something that they're just falling back on a defense mechanism and don't really realize that maybe what they're doing could be abusive? Sometimes they are, Sean, and sometimes they are not. Hmm. And that's where the PTSD and the mental health disorders come in. And that's why, you know, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We want to provide the appropriate interventions because I'm pretty sure they they don't like it either. Hmm. Amiza, what do you have to add to that? Yeah, I mean, Sabrina has some really good points. And, uh, you know, I think she's got it right. Um, you know, in addition, I... I saw a speaker at a conference that we'd attended um, back in August, the International Trauma and Violence Conference in California. And a segment was presented by an individual who was who shared with us that he was using violence in his um, 20 some odd year marriage. Right. Mm. And it was so interesting to me because in some, you know, relationships are very complex and unsafe and unhealthy relationships can be even more complicated and you know from from this gentleman's perspective and you know it was it was one of the greatest insights that I've ever had um, he said he grew up in a household that was very violent and so that's what he knew in terms of how to keep order in the house how to navigate conflict and he understood that his behaviors were not healthy, safe, or good, 
Um, and he genuinely, he said he genuinely felt apologetic after these incidents was, would occur, mm-hmm. but he still accepted responsibility that, you know, he had control over this behavior. He just wasn't um, aware, right, of, of the mechanics of how he was managing conflict. And so I think in some ways, you know, if we look at the, you know, more of the conventional um, model of an individual who uses violence, it's about power and control, right? And, um, and managing an individual or a situation. In the work that we do, what I've noticed is a big difference. It's not quite so clear cut. There's a lot of different factors involved in um, how somebody is engaging in conflict or conflict resolution in relationships. Um, And to your question, you know, does somebody always know, you know, something that I've really and and why it's just such a passion area for me now is, you know, I, I have talked to a couple veterans recently. They don't even realize how they're being perceived like you know even in their everyday normal lives you've got these big guys right like well over six feet who have loud commanding voices just when they're talking normally like you know having a conversation with somebody Um, but they don't have the self-awareness that you know at a baseline they're very loud and commanding so if, Mm. if someone were to get upset that could look pretty terrifying. Um, And again, like, you know, we've all mentioned over the last few minutes, all these other veteran-centric experiences or um, things folks are navigating can also impact how somebody is responding or really reacting to something versus responding. And do you see a correlation where people sometimes get more violent or more abusive when they're in bad times, like say they lost a job or uh, something Absolutely. horrible happened at work. And does that, are those triggers as well? Misa? Absolutely. Uh, a lot of environmental stressors, Sean. And generally that is what triggers individuals, um, veteran or non-veteran, <laughs> you know, because you, 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 you get to your tipping point and if you don't utilize um, coping skills, if you don't know how to, you're going to result to what you believe works for you. Now, Sabrina, do you see a correlation also that, uh, for for people that grew up in, say, a violent household, like you just like us, like Misa just described of a of a gentleman that described how he grew up in a violent household? Is that a common thread with people that are they're abusive? Not always. Not always. It can happen later in life. It's it may, it's interesting you said that. I was I was speaking with a veteran at one time, and he and he was just saying, "Oh, Sabrina, I I didn't even grow up like that. My mom." She was a, a, a single mom, but she was a church-going woman, and, and, and our household was calm. He said, I learned this aggression in the streets. Wow. Yeah, and so it's not always the household. It's sometimes it's, you know, your peers or your environment, because we're influenced by our environment generally. Wow. I mean, so what are the warning signs? Say someone you know is experiencing domestic violence. What are the warning signs to maybe try to get that person to either seek help themselves or maybe even talk to someone you think might be abusive to get help? Yeah, so we do do a lot of talking to folks about red flags, right? Like what a healthy relationship might look like, what some warning signs might be, and what an unsafe or unhealthy relationship might look like. So, you know, if um, if things in the household are being controlled, if you're feeling isolated, if, you know, you're walking around on eggshells and trying to keep everyone calm, if 
you know, there, there's a difference, especially in today's day and age. Um, you know, there's a difference between like texting someone all the time and getting like 200 texts a day wow. um, and, and needing to know your whereabouts at every time and what you're doing and what you're spending money on and who you're going out with. Um, so those are some red flags that that we would try to talk to somebody about um, in terms of, you know, what more can you share with us in your relationship? And here's what might be helpful to be a little bit more aware of and how um, we and community, our community partners might be supportive. So, Misa, also tell me, what, so what brings a person to the point where they say, you know what, I really need help? Because what I see oftentimes, this is my own uh, walk through life, is that oftentimes you have no idea who's actually going through this. They're, what you see at mm-hmm. work is not what you see. It's not what's going on necessarily in the household. And I've had people tell me stories, you know, that you never would have known. You never would have known they were going through this type of experience. Um, mm-hmm. But then they don't do anything about it. They seem like they sit in this experience. What te- what makes them or gets them to the point to say, I know what we need to get. I need to get some help. So if he's not going to get help or she's not going to get help, then I'm going to get help because I need to, to fix this some kind of way. What's the trigger to get through to that point? Yeah, that's that's a very complicated um, question and answer. So, and and I would love to get Sabrina's input too. So, you know, that's that's um, one of the things that's on our myth list, right? That somebody may not um, be willing to get support, right, or doesn't know that they need yeah. to get support or assistance. Um, oftentimes, rush, we got about 30 seconds left. <laughs> she the time. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> getting, into the, just getting um, into the conversation. Now we got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. So, in, <laughs> in terms of signs that somebody might need help, if somebody's missing work a lot, if mm. um, they're wearing clothing that isn't appropriate for the weather, meaning long sleeves in summer, if um, if they're not allowed to go out with friends or family anymore, or not allowed to attend their faith groups. Um, or they're always giving excuses for an individual. And again, this isn't exhaustive. These are just some of the things that I think about. Um, but sometimes people remain in relationships because they don't know what to do. They don't know services exist. Or there's a lot of reasons, right? Like, you know, they don't work. They, they need housing. They've got children. They need support. So there's a lot of reasons why someone might be hesitant to leave. Um, no, so no, no, we got to we got to stop. Yeah. We ran out yeah, of time. Yeah, yeah. But I think you give us enough information. We got to also have you back to continue this conversation because it's a very interesting conversation. A lot to get into. Appreciate both of you guys' times. And can we leave a number or just to wait? Go, yes, go ahead, leave that number. I just want to let everyone know to please contact the um, the ITV uh, team at three one two five six nine eight six zero three. If you or anyone you know, veteran or non-veteran, is experiencing any form of intimate partner violence, I appreciate you, Sean. Thanks for your time. America's Heroes Group will be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.